Well, as we begin this morning, I'd like to give each one of you an assignment, all right? And then here is your assignment. You can uh, either uh, jot this in your bulletin if you got a pen, or you can just uh, use your mind, but your assignment is this. What single word would you choose or write down that describes you? What word would you choose that describes you? For example, you might think, well, I'm kind of loving. I would say love describes me. That's just an example. But what word would you use that describes you? Okay. Now, the word that you chose is what we would call a character quality. That word that's in your mind or you wrote down is a character quality that describes you. Today we begin a four-part sermon series on character. The series is entitled Building Christian Character. And as the title implies... Character is something that you can develop. Remember, we're talking about building Christian character. So character is something that you can develop. For example, you can work at being more patient. Patient is a wonderful character quality. You can develop the character quality of thankfulness. Uh, You can cultivate that character trait called wisdom. You see, you can do something about your character. Well, this morning, I will be talking about the Christian character quality of contentment. All right? Today, we begin with contentment, the quality character of contentment. Here's a definition of contentment. Contentment is an inner sense of rest or peace that comes from being right with God in knowing that He is in control of all that happens to us. Okay? That inner sense of rest or peace. Now, the opposite of contentment is experiencing no rest and no peace. Words like anxiousness and dissatisfaction are good words to describe a state called discontent. Well, the first step in cultivating the character quality of contentment is to expose as well as understand the causes of discontent. So that's where we're at this morning as we begin. We're going to talk about causes of discontent. What are the causes of discontent? Let me share three causes of discontent. Number one. A cause of discontent would be a focus on self. A focus on self. Listen to James, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Listen to how James describes this focus on self. Here's what he says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. 
You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So in this passage of Scripture that James has written for us, there are some words that definitely focus on self. For instance, desires. Okay, we all have these desires that we want to fulfill. And the passage says you want something. Okay, we're talking about self. But he says you don't get it. And he says when you do ask for something, we ask with wrong motives because it's all about us. It's about me. All right? And what we're asking for, we're not asking for somebody else. We're asking for me. Our pleasure. So a focus on self will breed discontent in your life, okay? Self causes discontent. Secondly, here's number two. A focus on material things creates discontent. A focus on material things. That will bring discontent. Discontent. Now Solomon, the wisest man of all time, shared these words. Here's what he says. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. That's what the wisest man has said. I came across an interesting illustration here. There was a, a uh, kind of like a Gallup poll there was a study that was conducted, and uh, this study asked, asked this question. Here's the question. How much would it take for us to have enough money? How much would it take for you to have enough money? Well, what this particular survey discovered is that most people say, well, if I had just 10% more, I would feel comfortable, okay? 10% will make the difference, they say. Whether you're earning 30000 or sixty or 250000 or if you're a millionaire, just 10% more is all we need. That's what we say. That's what this study revealed. Here's the interesting part of it. When the people were asked this same question later, sometime later, uh, they discovered that when they do get 10% more, which typically happens over the course of a few years. You improve your economic status and so forth. When you do improve and you do get 10% more, guess what they want? Another 10%. Another 10% more. So one of the causes, anyhow, that we have that brings discontentment into our being, into our soul, is, is possessions. Is material things. We're never satisfied. We want 10% more. Okay. Number three, a third cause of discontentment is a focus on entitlements. A focus on entitlements. We're back in the book of Proverbs once again, and here Proverbs says this, Proverbs 13, The sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. I want to kind of focus on that first 
phrase of that verse. The sluggard craves and he gets nothing. It's kind of also, kind of sounds like he's talking about entitlements here. I deserve this. You know, what you have, you know, I should get a little piece of that too, okay? A little entitlement here. If you think you deserve something, you'll end up being discontent. So we're talking about the causes of discontent. Selfishness, a focus on self. Material possessions, we never have enough, just 10% more, we say. And entitlements, we think we need that. We have a right to that. Those things breed discontent in our life. Now, the next question I want to ask is this. How do we battle these uh, sources of discontent? How do we fight it? Well, here are three biblical countermeasures for discontentment. Number one, the first countermeasure for discontentment is to realize and understand that all we have or all that we desire is temporal. Okay, that's the first one, temporal. In fact, we got a little acrostic here going in your bulletin. You see that? T-O-P. Okay, take a look at it. You'll see it. T-O-P. Okay, I want you to memorize T-O-P. All right, and you'll hear why in a little bit. But temporal, T stands for temporal. What you have is not going to last very long. Proverbs reinforces this truth with these words. Do not wear yourself out to get rich, Solomon says. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. Okay? So what we desire often is, I mean, it's, it's temporal. It's not going to last. And to combat discontentment so that we can walk in contentment, we got to understand everything's temporal. This life is temporal, temporary. It's not going to last. So that's the first one, T, temporal. O is ownership. So to, the, to combat discontentment, we need to have a proper perspective regarding ownership. That's the O, ownership. The only reason you have anything is because the true owner gave it to you to manage as well as enjoy. Okay, let me say that once again. The only reason you have anything is because the true owner gave it to you to manage as well as enjoy. You see, having the proper perspective regarding ownership, knowing that all that I possess, all that I have, comes from my Heavenly Father. Understanding then helps us, helps us have this, this character quality of contentment. 1 Timothy 6 says this, For we brought nothing into the world, and we take nothing out of it. God gives us everything, ownership. And then number three here, thirdly, a proper perspective, P is perspective, a proper perspective will counter discontentment. Okay, Having a proper perspective. Proverbs 16, verse 8, uh, helps us have a perspective. Here's what it says. Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. So better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. So here's, here's, here's the conclusion of Proverbs 16. You do not have to have it all to be content. You can be content with little. Okay? 
You don't have to have it all to be content. You can be content with little. Traveling to Ghana, that was one of the major impressions I think we as a, as a team came away with uh, as we went to Titus's village, um, a village, I mean, there's poverty there, a, a lot of it. They don't have anything, but, but they were content. They were happy, and we were so impressed about that. You don't have to have a lot to be content. You can be content with little. A wonderful quality characteristic that we can develop. We can develop. So when discontent lingers in your life, remember to top and reflect. And we got something kind of similar with fire. When you get caught on fire, you stop and roll. Well, trying to play with that a little bit. I know I missed it, but anyhow, top and reflect, okay? Forget the S, go with the top, top and reflect. Okay, everything I have is temporal, okay? Who owns all that I have? Belongs to God. And then perspective. You don't have to have it all to be content. You can be content in little. And remember, we're talking about building Christian character. Contentment can be built in your life. Now we press on here to number three in our outline there. It's called the compensation for contentment uh, or the reward of contentment. Here, here's, here's what comes your way when you exercise contentment. This, this comes to you when you practice contentment. Number one, you experience God's presence. When you are content, you're experiencing God's presence. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 gives this instruction. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Again, that's Hebrews 13. So the compensation, the reward, that which we get for being content or practicing contentment is the presence of God. God is with us all the time. Here's number two, letter B. We also experience God's provision as we practice contentment. God's provision. Uh, we're looking at Philippians chapter 4, verses 13, and then also verse 19. And both these verses have a wonderful promise for us that uh, speaks of God's provision. Listen, here's what verse 13 says. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. We think we got to have it. We need more of this, more of that in order to do what we think we need to do. You see, we're putting our trust in the things rather than in the one who gave us the things. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Okay? So God has promised provision. Uh, Philippians 4. 4, verse 19, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And my God will meet all your needs. Notice it doesn't say wants, right? You've heard this before. It doesn't say wants. You know, there's a lot of things I want. As well as you guys. You, there's a lot of things you want, right? But notice God says, I'll provide for your needs. And when our needs are met, 
experience that contentment. So remember, provision. We have God's presence. We have God's provision. Here's a story on provision. It's a little lengthy, but it's pretty cool. Let me share it with you. This lady writes about her and her husband. She says, my husband and I were about to start grad school, hoping to squeak through school together, living on love and Taco Bell. Charlie had a decent uh, laptop, but my only computer but my only computer was a three-inch thick 1996 laptop. So for my birthday that July, I decided to ask our families for money for a new laptop. They were quite generous, and I received $720, enough to buy a nice new computer. Before I made my purchase, we took a road trip to visit several college friends. Our old Nissan pickup, our Nissan pickup, our only car, she says, had broken down shortly before our trip, so we left the truck at the shop and drove a borrowed car. Well, during our trip, our mechanic called with an estimate for fixing the truck. It was more than we had expected, and we didn't know where we would get the money. I was so fixated on getting my new laptop, I didn't, it didn't even occur to me to use the money I'd received for my birthday to fix the truck. I told a friend when we were out for coffee about my plans to buy a laptop. She had, released, she had recently got a new computer, and so she offered her old computer to me. I still didn't take the hint. I thanked her for the dismissed, I thanked, it, thanked her for it, but I dismissed her offer. Her laptop, while several years newer than mine, and certainly adequate for the paper writing I'm doing, was not the shiny new computer I had my eyes set upon. Well, back at the house where we were staying that night, Charlie and I were trying to figure out how we should scrape enough money together to fix this truck. Somehow, I finally allowed the thought I'd subconsciously been fighting, fighting off to enter my head. I could take my friend's old computer and use my birthday money to fix our truck. I knew the Holy Spirit was telling me to surrender my plans, and I knew that insisting on my own way would be saying no to God. So I yielded to the Spirit's prompting. As soon as I did, it was like the scales of, of my eyes and of my heart fell off, and I suddenly remembered the number I jotted down from the mechanic, $720. God knew I needed a computer. He also knew we needed a repaired truck. He provided a free computer, and he gave us the exact amount of money to the dollar that we needed to fix our truck. We wrote that story down in a notebook we kept at the time, but not just to remind us of God's supernatural provision. As much as I rejoiced in God's provision, I was sobered by how blind I was to it, how for so long when it was right in front of my face. God wanted to bless me. He provided just what I needed in ways I couldn't have anticipated. But my greed almost kept me from receiving the blessing. What a warning to fix my gaze, not on what my sinful heart lusts after, but on my Father, who, who withholds no good thing for His children. Provision. That's how we fight discontentment. You know, this story is awesome, but God will repeat a similar story in your life. He will. Think about it. We could probably be here all day 
listen to stories how God provided, right? So we fight discontentment by, remember, God provides. And lastly here, we f- reflect on God's character. Um, this is coming from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. So a wonderful reward that is received as contentment is pursued is the development of godliness. Okay, godliness is developed. 1 Timothy 6, 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain, great gain. So as we exercise, remember, we're talking about building Christian character. So character is something that you can develop in your life. Today, we're talking about contentment. As you pursue contentment and build that character quality in your life, godliness also comes from your life because godliness and contentment go hand in hand. They go together. Go together. So, we began this morning by writing down that word that you have chosen to describe your character quality. We'll keep that word, file that away, and in the coming weeks, your assignment is to build upon your Christian character. Today, begin building contentment. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, once again, we do thank you for this. Um, we thank you for the truth, Lord, that you are always with us. Your presence is always with us. God, you know our needs, and you're going to bring provision. Lord, help us as your children to rest, to find peace in knowing that you are going to take care of it all. And may we experience that contentment and that godliness that results as we rest and trust you. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, as we depart, Lord, we ask for your blessing upon our meeting to come. But also, Lord, I ask now at this time your blessing on the meal that we're about to partake of. Thank you for all those who brought willingly to contribute to our potluck. Lord, we look forward to enjoying each other's company and a great meal. We ask your blessing on it and the blessing on our meeting. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.